Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Infrastructure's name appears to have finally been called in Washington, D.C., as congressional Democrats and the Biden administration set their sights on passing a multi trillion dollar plan. In this podcast, Brownstein's government relations team provides real time analysis on where negotiations stand and deliberates potential sticking points to passing such legislation. Welcome back to another Brownstein podcast. Today, we're going to talk about infrastructure, and I'm joined by three of my colleagues that have incredible experience around this and a lot of thought that we want to share with you. Let me introduce them first. Russ Sullivan, a Capitol Hill veteran on the Democratic side who spent nearly a decade as staff director for the Senate Finance Committee. Jeff Burr, a former chief of staff to the Transportation Secretary, Elaine Chow, and former deputy assistant secretary for Congressional Affairs in the Department of Labor during the George W. Bush administration. And Reese Goldsmith, a member of the firm's Energy, Environment, and Resources Strategies Group, who served at the Department of Energy and Justice and the Small Business Administration, and in Congress for a member of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Welcome, you three, and uh, this will be interesting. It's the riddle of the day. Will there be a infrastructure bill? It's always infrastructure week, day, month, whatever. In Washington, D.C., it's been... Uh, a big issue for many years. And in 2021, it seems like it's the topic of the moment. And when you look at data, very recent polling data that I've seen, 57% of American voters support Biden's infrastructure bill with only 24% opposing it. Along with that, 62% of the respondents support paying for it by raising corporate taxes. And I think the surprising piece that I find is one in four Republicans polled back the Biden bill and 29 percent of the Republicans said they support raising corporate taxes. You know, I got to tell you, from when I was in the Senate, that these numbers would have never been like this. Uh, But seeing where it is today, it really begs the question, you know, is this the point? And let me turn to first Reese. Uh, The Biden revealed this two point two five trillion and I want to underline that trillion dollar uh, American jobs plan on the 31st of this month, uh, which he has kind of reshaped, at least in his eyes, of what infrastructure is. Upgrading highways, bridges, airports, kind of the basic stuff, but then adding hospitals, schools, uh, water and sewer, electric grid, broadband, a variety of other manufacturing. Reese, is there a bipartisan bill? What's going on? Sure. So first, the administration wants to take the American jobs plan and really sell it across the aisle. They're looking to try and make this a bipartisan agreement. However, you know, all signs are pointing to this ending up uh, going through a more partisan process called reconciliation. Um, In early April, following the release of the American Jobs Plan, the Senate parliamentarian made a ruling that they could go in and amend the existing reconciliation package that just passed. And then in addition to that, pass another reconciliation measure. Wait a minute. I have late breaking news, Reese. Oh, you do? Oh, Russ. Russ has some news. This is what we like in a podcast. Yeah. So... Uh, I talked to some folks who were in those discussions with the 
uh, parliamentarian uh, this week on behalf of the Democrats, and they said the press reports aren't exactly right. That, in fact, she did rule that they could modify the budget resolution. However, she reserved or refused to rule on whether a modified budget resolution would then permit a third reconciliation bill. She said, I'm not going to make that ruling until you present me a proposed budget resolution modification. So it's a wait and see, wait and see. Oh, that really is juicy news. (laughs) So only on a podcast in D.C. can we say that juicy news is from a parliamentarian on reconciliation. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Reese. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Yeah, well, um, with that lens kind of cast of of how are they going to do this? How are they going to pass this? Is it going to be bipartisan? Is it going to be partisan? Negotiations are starting to ramp up, but likely what you'll see is the committees of jurisdiction considering these measures, working its way up to either the budget committee or um, however they choose to ultimately pass this large package. Russ, let me jump into something here. You know, you went through the 09 uh, ACA bill, uh, the health care bill. You were kind of in the front seat. I, I felt as a senator back then, I was always in the back seat watching what you were doing or, or telling us what we shouldn't do. Uh, but when you think of that time and that negotiations and all that, that's a big effort. And here's the infrastructure bill. Are there any similarities or something we can draw from history to say, okay, this might happen or not happen in this effort? Your thoughts on that? Sure. So the fact of the matter is the president must pass his legislative economic plan during the first year of his term. Look back to all modern presidents. Going back, I can at least say to to Reagan uh, and Clinton, Obama, George W. Bush, Trump, they all in their first year passed a bill. Wasn't always a tax bill. Uh, Could have been a health care bill. Could have been a budget plan. But their economic plan in their first year. This is very similar to 2009, when Obama uh, passed the Health Care Affordable Care Act. At the time, the Democrats controlled all three levers, House, Senate, and the White House. Now, the ACA initially passed through regular order in the Senate, which required 60 votes, although it was later fixed uh, with the reconciliation bill. But in any event, the principle was the same. Democrats had to have every single vote in the Senate. And that is not easy. You got to look at the tax reform bill, TCJ for the Republicans. They didn't even get Bob Corker the first time in the Senate. It is hard to get every single member of your caucus to vote for it. Uh, so I would you know, expect a lot of delegation to the executive branch and Treasury to flesh out whatever programs they put in the bill. And I would I would expect some consternation on the on the offset side. I have to say, when I first heard that they were going to pay for the the bill with uh, uh, corporate tax increases, I said to myself, paying for infrastructure with corporate tax increases is like paying to get through the Suez Canal with gale force winds. <laughs> the path to passage was already narrow, and now something's about to run aground. And I think this ship will run aground in the legislative process at least once uh, when they try to figure out how to actually pay for it in a way that the Democrats will all, everyone to the end, vote for it. 
You, you know, Russ, it's interesting. And, and Jeff, I'm going to turn to you as the Republican on the panel here. You, you know, I think about uh, what Russ just said, kind of running aground. You know, uh, are the Republicans, are they kind of weary of another spending bill, another, you know, because they did some, you know, in the Trump last year or so during the height of the pandemic, they were spending money without an issue. But now are, is there fatigue? Is there both monetary fatigue, but also political calculation that's playing? Where, where are the Republicans and are they going to propose something? So it's sounding more and more like they may, uh, although that remains to be seen. I, I do agree with Russ's analysis. I think that this is going to break down a number of times. Um, and we might even have to come back in the fall and talk about a new bipartisan process all over again. I don't know if people have that level of patience. Republicans have a number of problems. Yes, they're, they're getting spending fatigue, which yeah, does seem a little bit hypocritical compared to some of the ways we were spending, especially when you talk about the tax reform done under Trump. But uh, the degrees of magnitude we're dealing with right now are really um, unprecedented. So there's that. There's the, the, the adjustment to being in the minority. Um, for, for many of them. And, you know, the minority, in my view, is kind of three things. It's, it's, uh, it's easy, it's, it's unifying, and it's boring. <laughs> you can all stick together on what you're against. That's pretty easy to do, but no one much cares what your opinion is. And, you know, I've been talking to Republicans at the relevant committees, and they're, they're talking to their Democratic counterparts, but they're not really optimistic about it, and they don't feel like the conversations are particularly substantive. Uh, the Republicans are going to propose something, I would guess, similar to what uh, Senator Barrasso passed out of the EPW committee last year, which will be for less than a trillion dollars. And will be a lot of reauthorizations of existing law and plussing up of some popular programs, but not the kind of massive injection of, of infrastructure spending that people have been talking about for a long time. So uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see, to Russ's point, if they can hold together that coalition of every single a Senate Democrat and pretty much every single House Democrat. That that's a, a formidable challenge. Do you think there's a space and time that suddenly, let's say that they're they're talking bipartisanship, and, and I'm going to leave the revenue part out for a second because that's always where it breaks down. I think Russ, your point is that's where kind of the ship runs aground and may not get off, you know. But is there a number that they the Democrats start moving and maybe Reese or Russ could respond? Is there a number the Democrats might go down to? And then to Jeff, is there a number that the Republicans might get up to that that hits or are, you know, is there a place of no return for the Democrats, maybe Reese or, or Russ on that? Do they go off that number if they think there's a bipartisan opportunity? Well, I think the Democrats could. I just don't know whether they'll choose to do so. Mm -hmm. I mean, a number of the provisions in this infrastructure bill would also fit very well in the American family plan bill that's that's coming next. Uh, or if they get to do two reconciliation bills and they have to do them that way would come next. They could shift some of the, some of the education money. They could shift some of the money that's aimed at healthcare and seniors. Those could easily fit in the other, which would bring this package down close to, to a trillion, uh, which starts to get in into the area where Republican would, would take it seriously. And then they would have to, you know, dig into the details and, and look at alternative uh, pay pay for sources. And that's the real problem, though, because I, I think that it's fair to say there's not a pay for in existence that we're aware of that a majority of Republicans support right now. Um, I think that given some of the recent discourse, they're warming up on corporate taxes. If I can interrupt there, Jeff, even with their own bill, potentially, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that was part of the the problems that we're running into over the course of the last few years. You know, there wasn't a majority that wanted to raise the gas tax. People were skeptical of a VMT and the Republicans didn't want to raise taxes. And so, you know, there, there's just not a lot else out there. I mean, I defer to Russ, who probably has looked for pay-fors more than anybody in the world over the course of his career. <laughs> well, I, I do think there I do think there are opportunities. I mean, uh, you, you had Mike Crapo saying at the hearing with uh, Commissioner Redding the other day that a trillion dollars in tax gap is excessive uh, and that, you know, essentially they would look at compliance measures as not really raising taxes on anybody. It's just collecting taxes that were owed. You know, if it's if there's really a trillion a year out there, there's there's some money to be uh, collected somehow. I think that the that the Democrats would have to look at some spending cuts and they may not want to. But if you want a bipartisan deal, that's what you do. You got to find the place. Reese, your thoughts? Well, I think they think they have the Goldilocks plan already, right? You know, the Republicans say it's it's too big. The progressives say it's too small. And so they think they're just right on the numbers. So I, I, I do question if they're really going to move on that $2.25 trillion number. I love it. The Goldilocks plan, it is here on the Brownstein podcast that it has been coined. Uh, what is it? Uh, but now let me ask. Um, this one is just, in, and we have a few minutes left here, but, you know, earmarks, I know, are being talked about for appropriation bills. There's a debate. Will there be opportunity in this bill? Because, of course, you can imagine if you're, a, you know, sitting back there and you're in the Senate or the House and someone tells you, oh, you might have an opportunity to do earmarks on a $2.25 trillion bill. I can imagine my former colleagues getting pretty excited. Uh, thoughts on that one? What, what real? Not Jeff? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, uh, again, not mentioning him twice, but Senator Barrasso mentioned this apparently at the Republican lunch this week to his colleagues that they're going to have to discuss this in earnest. And I think uh, my understanding is there's a majority there to get that done. So I think that uh, everybody seems to be there on earmarks. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this. And so I'm curious how that's all going to shake out with all the different people's priorities. I don't, I don't know if everyone's going to be happy, but uh, that certainly would, would grease the skids and give more reason for optimism. Russ, Reese, any comment on that one? Earmarks are transparency. It's a positive development and the legislative branch shouldn't be delegating to the executive branch every detail of how to spend every dollar. You know, we, this is on a, uh, uh, audio, not video, but I love your guys' smile when Russ was talking there because, of course, many have worked with the legislative branch and understand that role. Uh, I'm going to ask this question to uh, Reese and then kind of see uh, additional comments. I got one more last question, and that is, is this it? Is this the big play? Is this it for 2021? Everyone's going to clamor around this and say, we got to do everything? Or is there another one, as Russ described earlier, on the, the next kind of if there's another reconciliation. Reese, your thoughts? Well, overall, I think that they expect to get all of the work that they want to get done, done this year. The American Jobs Plan is, is the first salvo towards achieving the overarching goal of equity for the administration. So, you know, if they can get to the American Families Plan, I think that's also a big push for them. But everything needs to be wrapped up by the end of the year before they head into the 2020 uh, to election cycle. 
Reese, Jeff, on that? I mean, uh, Russ and Jeff? Um, sure. I, I think they ultimately get it. The, the, this first infrastructure bill we're talking about now ultimately gets some form of that done this year. I think it's going to be messy and it's going to take longer than everybody wants it to, but I think they're going to get there. Anything over and above that, I just don't know if there's going to be the bandwidth and good feelings after that process to get that done. Mr. Optimism, Russ? <laughs> uh, of course they will. You've got the appropriations bill, which has become a buffet of porridge and more in our Goldilocks analogy uh, <laughs> at, at the end of the year that can hold everything and everybody buys into it. It's a four-way bipartisan bill. Uh, we put all kinds of things in it last year and they can do that again at the end of the year. But yeah, uh, I agree with, with Jeff and Reese. If they just do infrastructure by itself, it's, it's hard to gear up for, for yet a, a third reconciliation bill in one calendar year. Okay, most important question that people are probably listening carefully. Well, is July 4th the, the date that all this magic is going to happen? That's what I, you know, we are hearing from both at least the House and the Biden administration, not from the Senate, as we have noted here, that they are waiting, I guess. Is July 4th the date? Who wants to take that one on? Let's go around the, around the horn here. I'll bet anyone on this. Okay, what's your bet? That it will not be passed by July 4th. I'll bet you any amount that you want to bet. Who's taking the bet, Jeff? No chance. I'll double down on Russ's bet. My money's on September at the soonest. Wow. Okay, Reese, you get to take the bet or make your own call. Um, I'm saving for a new pair of shoes, so I don't think I want to place a, a bet on July 4th. <laughs> Well, you know, something we know that maybe the uh, legislative body isn't figuring in, and that is uh, the Brownstein folks know a lot of what's going on, and we don't think July 4th is the date. So uh, good call, I think, on you guys. So let me just say uh, this is, you know, an interesting discussion. Uh, we talk about infrastructure every year, it seems. But I think the consensus is this year is probably infrastructure year, and something's going to happen what it looks like, I think, Jeff, you're right. It's going to be messy. That's going to be a lot of bargaining. But probably at the end of the day, if they can't figure it out, it will be a one side decides it and end of the day and off we go. But uh, great commentary, great input from all of you. But thank you very much for, again, being part of another Brownstein podcast. This one, uh, the Goldilocks proposal is out there and we're going to see what happens. Thank you all very much for participating. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.